and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my free training, The Three Legal and Tax Mistakes Made by New and Experienced Business Owners and How You Can Avoid Them. Here's the thing. There's a few key things we've all got to do to make sure we unfuck our biz. I've seen all the mistakes and I know how to help you get past them. So here's what I want you to do. Go to www.unfuckyourbiz.com, sign up for the free training, watch it, and do at least one of the homework assignments I share in the masterclass. Promise? Okay, now let's dive into the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Unfuck Your Biz podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today on the podcast, I am joined by my good friend, my good nerdy friend, Amy, who is a sales tax expert. (laughs) And her and I are going to be talking about five steps to manage sales tax as a small business owner. Uh, Hi, Amy. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. Are we still introing you? You want me to do like an intro? I was gonna say, are like we still in, are we still introing you as the sales tax yogi? Yeah, for now. <laughs> so we were we were just having a lengthy conversation uh, before we hopped on the call on like branding, next steps in both of our businesses. It's always very fun. But for right now, um, Amy, yeah. we already did an episode together. I think it was episode twenty one. I'll have it linked in the show notes. It was a while ago. Give, yeah. yeah, just to give everyone a recap. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everyone like what your full-time business is right now. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Amy Monroe and you can find me currently on uh, social as the sales tax yogi. Um, the reason for that is because I find myself so often saying to my clients, uh, to slow down and take a deep breath. Um, I also have a decent yoga practice in my personal life and kind of put those two things together. Um, I have been a sales tax expert in one way or another for the better part of 20 years. Um, I started out with a large public accounting firm, um, have worked for boutique firms, even did some software development um, for sales tax solutions, have been in private industry, have been a small business owner myself, um, and now I manage the consulting practice of a small boutique firm that is based in LA and San Diego. Okay, when you say small boutique firm, I often imagine something very different than what you actually do, so can you give... (laughs) <laughs> because we're just in very, very different worlds of the type of clients that sure. we work with. Can you sure. give um, kind of an impression of your the average client that you're working with? Yeah. Um, so we, wow. Um, so the, the LA part of our team focuses mostly on compliance. That's actually like paper pushing and online filing part of the monthly compliance obligation for sales tax. Our team does the consulting side of things, answering questions, doing research, audit defense, that kind of thing. Um, Our clients are pretty broad ranging. Um, I would say most of the time uh, our clients are in the like $10 million annual revenue or more. So I do tend to work with larger clients. That being said, um, we have partnered actually with a firm that does um, sort of plug and play C-suite for emerging businesses that are sort of transitioning from that pre-revenue startup phase 
into becoming a more mature, higher revenue, higher grossing company. And so they send us a lot of smaller taxpayers as well. Um, and we end up even having conversations with people that at the end of the call, we determine they don't, they don't really need us yet. Um, and as far as industries, I mean, we cover everything from carpet manufacturing, 800 pound gorilla tech giants. Um, one of our pre-revenue clients that was ultimately very successful became an Amazon unicorn. Um, gosh, what else? Drop shipping, clothing manufacturing, um, you name it. So I, I've got experience in a, a, a sweeping <laughs> array of industries. Love it. So on today's <clears throat> podcast, don't worry, everyone, we are going to make sure that it's pretty specific to you. So Amy and yeah. I have been um, friends for quite a while now. So Amy has a really, really good idea of my average listener who I typically work with. Um, she, yep. she even has done niche research for you all. So what we're going to talk about, and this is kind of why Amy's developed the Sales Tax Yogi to help individuals like yourself who are listening to this podcast. And Amy's going to walk us through the five steps to manage sales tax. <laughs> as a small business owner. So Amy, let's dive into step number one. Sure. Yeah. And to be clear, small business or big business, these rules apply to everybody. Um, so yeah, number one is knowing where you need to collect tax. Um, and depending on the size of your business and what service or good you are selling, that can be really simple or somewhat more complex. I would imagine most of the folks you're working with, um, it's pretty clear and obvious. They are uh, providing goods and services probably in the state of California and maybe a handful of other states. So knowing where they need to collect is pretty simple. What's, so what's kind of like the general rule as far as whether you need to collect sales tax in a particular state? Well, I mean, there's the, the traditional answer to that question is physical presence. Um, and then whether or not what you're selling is taxable. I mean, in California, for instance, so many services aren't subject to tax that the state would rather you just didn't even have a seller's permit. But um, if you are providing services and sometimes those services could be taxable because you're also selling tangible property, things you can touch and feel along with those services, then you would need to register because you will have a sales tax filing obligation. But um, the, the most simple way to boil it down is where are you physically located? And physical location means like I'm currently sitting in my home office in San Diego. That's my <laughs> physical location. Most yeah. of us don't have like multi-state offices, but if you did, that would create a physical location as well. Right. And, um, you know, if you're a, we were just having this conversation before, if you're a photographer, for instance, and your business is based in California, most of the services you provide and photo shoots and whatnot that you do, events that you take photos for are in California if you start branching out and doing a significant number of photo shoots and services in other states, then you'll want to pay attention to the rules there as well. Even though your business is domiciled in California, um, if you're traveling to another state um, pretty often and performing those services, then you'll want to look at those rules too. Okay. So let's say I'm traveling. Um, I'm from Kansas. So I, I'm going to, I have friends and family there. I'm going to shoot two weddings in Kansas next year. Would you, <laughs> I, I, like, I like to give people Google search language because sometimes I think that's the most helpful thing we can do. What I would probably Google is sales tax nexus rules for Kansas or maybe nexus rules for non-residents in Kansas for sales taxes. Yeah, and the trick of it with a Google search like that, especially 
in the last two years, your first page of search results are going to be all about Wayfair and economic nexus and online retail and e-commerce. Um, <clears throat> if you're really curious of, you know, I'm a California service provider, but I'm going to be in Kansas doing a thing. Um, I would honestly start with the Kansas Department of Revenue website and see if they have a search engine um, and start there. Okay, so really, you probably, because Amy, Amy knows who all the agencies are, so what you're going to want to start with is which agency or who collects sales tax in the state of Kansas. <laughs> and then once you <laughs> yeah, to find out, oh, no worries, once you to find out it's the Department of Revenue, go to their website and do your search. And the reason why and I it, bring that up yeah. is because <clears throat> we were joking earlier, in California, it's called the CDTFA, the California Department of Tax and Fee Administration. Every state's going to be a little bit different with regard to yeah. like what the name of that agency is. And in Kansas, it might be Department of Taxation instead of Department of Revenue. But um, but yeah, your first Google search term would be Kansas Department of Revenue and see what pops up. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And then see what resources they have. Okay. So that's awesome. So start with yep. Nexus and you need to answer in, in legal terms, we call this the issue. So the issue is, do you need to pay sales tax in the state of blank? And in order to answer that question, you need to know what the Nexus rule is. So moving Correct. on to point number two. Yeah, point number two is once you've determined that you have a filing obligation that you need to collect tax in the state, then you need to know what's involved and how to register for a seller's permit and a sales tax account in that state. Um, that can be pretty straightforward sometimes. In New York, it's very easy. It's an online portal. Registration is instantaneous. There's no fee. Um, <clears throat> in Florida, it's like three business days. I think there's a small fee. Um, California has some additional hoops. Um, and again, you can speak more to this depending on the corporate type. Um, but um, there might be a Secretary of State registration obligation as well. Yeah, so here in the state of California in particular, if you have an <clears throat> LLC or plan to form an LLC, you would do that first inside of mm -hmm. like my signature program, Unfuck Your Biz. I teach people how to like fully set up their businesses. And we have something called the small business blueprint, which is the step-by-step -step of what they need to do. So step number one is form your LLC. Then step number two is get your EIN. And then your seller's permit is like step number seven, if you need to get it. And that's because yeah. <laughs> on your seller's permit application, they require your LLC number and your EIN. So you would need to do those steps first. That's one of those things where if you don't have a step-by-step -step and you're in a different state, you just go start the seller's permit application. They're like, oh, should I need this other thing? So then you just move it further down <clears throat> your to-do list. It's not a huge to-do. Yeah. And, and some of the states like New Mexico through their online portal, they'll actually guide you through that process. Like if you, if you get to that step in the game, because New Mexico is one of the ones that has a secretary of state requirement, um, well, for certain business types. <clears throat> but if you have it, it'll trigger it on their website and they'll actually send you down that pathway. Um, and then they'll sub help you submit that it takes a couple of days to process, then they'll send you a follow-up and say, okay, you have your SOS number. Now you can come complete your state seller's permit registration. Love it. Okay, so that makes it relatively easy. Step number two, get your seller's permit. <clears throat> so if you, so really it's step number one, you're asking yourself if you have Nexus. So really in step number one, you're also asking yourself, do I need a seller's permit? And then if yes, you go do that. What yep. is next after yep. you have your seller's permit if you're required to get one? Um, yeah, uh, and that knowing what the sales tax rates are. <clears throat> and this is critical for businesses because um, 
sales tax is not like income tax where it's like a financial part of the business expense, right? Sales tax is something where it's actually a consumer-based tax, but the seller collects that tax from the buyer on behalf of the state agency. So it really, minus the small cost of compliance, shouldn't hit your bottom line, but it will hit your bottom line if you're not collecting the right sales tax rate. So if you're only charging, say, in the state of California, you're only charging the state rate, which is, forgive me for not knowing this off the top of my head, like six or 7%, right? <clears throat> and you're not collecting your local county and um, city and district taxes, then you're under collecting. But then when it comes time to remit that to the state of California, you'll be out of pocket that extra difference. Gotcha. And we talked about, so before we hopped <laughs> on this podcast, we actually did a Q&A with all of my membership members and fundamentals. So they had some questions for Amy. And we were talking about if you are a service provider that also has taxable sales of some goods, for more details on that, go listen to the first podcast episode because <laughs> we, we did talk more about it. But in that mm -hmm. case, we kind of talked about how technically if you're collecting money from one client in Santa Barbara and one client in LA and one in San Diego, there's slightly different rates, but ultimately just collect based on where you're physically located and report it there and it's probably fine. Yeah, that's probably the safest bet. Unless you're like a large company with a higher volume of sales, then you want to have your shit together a little bit more, I would guess. Yeah, and in California, because I they like to complicate things, we talked a little bit about this before. They've got that hybrid thing of the sales tax rate. Mo most of the states, the sales tax rate is the destination of where the buyer is, right? So if you're shipping something to somebody, then the sales tax rate is where that good gets shipped to. Um, in California, if you are shipping from a California seller to a California buyer, then there's actually this sort of hybridization of um, the sales tax rate at the origin of that transaction and the sales tax rate at the destination of that transaction. Okay. Yeah. If any of you got lost at the hybrid <clears throat> in California, I, <laughs> I, I actually don't understand what that rule is. <laughs> so you're probably fine. Like it's probably, probably okay. But if any, if any, if anybody listening to this does have that question, just hit me up with the specifics and I'll help you out. Perfect. So you can message Amy on Instagram at Sales Tax Yogi, or um, Amy is also an active member of our Facebook group, Braden's Besties. Yep. So you can connect there as well. Okay. So step number three, know the proper sales tax rates and how to collect them. Step number <clears throat> four, what are we doing in step number yep. four? Um, that is knowing and managing taxability and exemptions. Um, and the exemptions part is probably a little more nuanced than most of your folks need. Um, the taxability, though, really is kind of a sweet spot for them. And we talked about this extensively on the recording we just did, um, which is if you are providing both goods and services, knowing which part of that is taxable and which part is not. And more importantly, knowing that if you don't delineate those two things um, in the right way in your contracts and on your invoices, um, then the whole thing could be subject to tax, um, meaning uh, for instance, if you are a photographer and the photography service itself might not be subject to tax, but um, if you bundle that together and give your bride and groom a photo album and you don't separately state those two things, the state could take issue with that and say that the entire thing bundled together is tangible property, that photo album, um, and the whole thing becomes subject to sales tax. Gotcha. Okay. We, we also did talk a little bit about the separately stated rule in our first podcast and actually gave yep. some 
contract tips as well. Maybe that would be awesome. a good podcast topic. We can talk about that as specifically like contracts and sales tax in unison. Riveting stuff, yeah, you definitely. guys. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for though, right? Yes, exactly. All right. So number five. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So this is the one that's probably most simple, but the thing I'm probably most passionate about. Um, so knowing what the deadlines and filing obligations are, right? Um, for the most part, uh, California is usually like a quarterly kind of thing. But if your taxes are uh, due monthly, they're typically due on the 20th day of the month following when the transaction took place. So if you sell something in February, then the filing for that, those transactions from February are due on March 20th. So um, I've only done a sales tax return once. Um, okay. I, helped, I helped someone on a consultation with it. It took about an hour. I'm assuming once you're doing this on a monthly or even a quarterly basis, you can probably knock them out in like 20 minutes if your record keeping is good. Right, which is 5B. <laughs> and that is the, um, the accounting and uh, we've, we've talked about this both from an, an accounting standpoint and an account standpoint. Um, if every time you have a transaction, you are um, properly accounting for that either in QuickBooks or in an Excel spreadsheet or in your notebook on pen and paper, whatever your method of tracking your revenue is, um, if you document that transaction and separate out the revenue and the sales tax, then when it comes time to summarize all of that stuff, it should be pretty straightforward. Most sales tax returns, some of them get complicated, but for most industries, it's your gross revenue minus any deductions or exemptions equals your taxable revenue. What's the applicable tax rate? Here's much tax, how much tax you owe. It really can be that simple. So question for you, and this is a hypothetical. Sure. Let's assume that you're a wedding photographer selling a photo album in California and yep. your service fee is $4,000. The photo album is $200. Yep. So do you report $4,200 and then in an exemption of $400 or do you just report $200 for sales tax? So by the letter of the law um, in California, not only would you report the gross revenue from that transaction in California, so all of it together, the service and the photo album, but let's say for whatever reason that month you also did a photo shoot in Arizona, um, you would report like all of that revenue and then deduct the stuff that's not taxable, this, the photo service that's separately stated, and then also that photo service that you performed in a different state. Um, that's the letter of the law. What most people do is just report the taxable on both lines. Like they'll just report the tax, report the taxable revenue, won't have any deductions, net that out as taxable revenue, right? So their gross and taxable are the same and then remit the tax. Um, gotcha. It's not perfect. An auditor might be persnickety about it. They might ask you to prove out some of the stuff that you didn't report and confirm that it was in fact exempt, but um, it's not that big of a deal. This is, it's similar to what I call for when you do income taxes, I call them net neutral tax decisions. So it's like if yes. you accidentally call an office expense a supply, it just means you put it in the wrong bucket, but the tax outcome is the exact same. The same. So what yep. happens in that case is if you get audited, they're just going to ask you to do it the correct way. You get the same outcome and then there's no penalty associated. Yeah, and, and the difference is one of the first things they look at in a sales tax audit, and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole too far, but 
they're going to ask you for a copy of your income tax return. And the reason they're doing that is because they want to know that the two numbers you're reporting are the same. Got it. So, um, and if there is a discrepancy, especially if it's material, they will definitely start digging deeper and asking more questions. Okay. That makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. So really it's not, if you are doing all of the proper tracking, it doesn't sound like it'd be too difficult to report the total and take the exemptions. Curious from your experience, how savvy is the average bookkeeper at tracking sales tax for you? Um, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are some that are really great at it. Um, and I mean, there are a lot of um, bookkeepers that I have chatted with and if their clients are like all in California and um, you know there aren't a lot of complexities with exemptions it, it really is pretty straightforward and, and it just takes them a few minutes it's an extra service they can offer to their clients and everybody's happy um, but it, as soon as it gets to a level of complexity or there are questions of taxability um, you know any anything like that then they they usually reach out to somebody like me yeah, this is why I often try to explain to people that it's really important to understand the difference between like I technically am a tax attorney, you're a sales tax professional, then we have CPAs, and then we have bookkeepers. And in the broad scheme of things, all these individuals serve very different niche roles. When you have a small business, yeah. you're not going to be paying all four of those people. It's not practical. <laughs> right. Sense. But really right. understanding that bookkeepers technically, and most of the time, bookkeepers are not... Um, necessarily even accountants. Like their job is to track stuff and really just be hyper-organized. But at the same yep. time, like they're often going to be a lot more detail-oriented than a tax accountant might be who's just filing your taxes. Mm -hmm. So everyone has their strength and specialty. But the thing you need to figure out yep. is does the bookkeeper know the sales tax rules? If not, and yours are really simple, like you just know, oh, I need to pay 7.75% of sales tax on all of these particular line items. You can relay that message to the bookkeeper and then it should be pretty easy for them to track that. Yeah. So I wouldn't count on a, a bookkeeper to, you know, flag you down and say, hey, I think you should be charging sales tax on this. But if you are presenting your bookkeeper with a bunch of transaction records that include sales tax, I would expect them to know what to do with that. Yeah, at least to know like to the certain extent that, oh, if I'm selling this particular item, like if I have that in income, then and there's a line item collected for sales tax that needs to be accounted for in this manner. Yeah, um, but even then <laughs> I would <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because if you're, so I guess what I'm getting at is if I'm sending invoices to clients and there's a line item on the invoice for sales tax, then yep. I would just advise my bookkeeper, like you can look at my bank account and see the total income that's coming in, but for all income, I want you to look at the invoices to know exactly how much sales tax I'm collecting. Right, so in that scenario, you as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, need to be savvy enough to relay that information to your bookkeeper, have that conversation, and get a level of confidence that that person knows what you're talking about and will take the necessary next steps. Um, I, some of them are great. <laughs> some of them are not. 
<laughs> well, you most people can figure that out in the beginning. This is why I'm really big and people notice it in a lot of my sales copy and a lot of my podcast episodes. I'm really big on education and being what I call the CEO of your own business. At the end of yes. the day, unless you can afford to hire a Braden and Amy and a bookkeeper and a tax preparer, you need to know at least the yeah. basics to know whether the one person you're hiring is competent to handle the basics of each of those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, but part of that 5B of accounting and where your bookkeeper really does hopefully come in handy um, and, you know, and the flip side of the coin of it shouldn't be, it shouldn't hit your bottom line expense if you're charging the right sales tax rate. Um, at the same time, like when you're collecting those sales tax dollars, especially because there's a timing difference from when you collect that money to when you give that money to the, the state jurisdiction, um, it can be tempting, especially in early days of small business when cash flow is tight, um, to dip into those funds. Um, but I really recommend not doing that because um, that money doesn't belong to you. And yeah, so we uh, talked. You're, you're just temporarily holding on to it. Yeah, we talked a lot about on our membership call, not a lot, but a little bit about how to work this into your cash flow. <laughs> so if any of you listening have downloaded my freebie called the Worry No More Money Roadmap, um, this will help put it into context. If not, go grab that. I'll put it in the show notes. You can also just get it on my freebies page. But I teach in there the different accounts that you can have in your business to help you with your cash flow. And in the context of sales tax, it's pretty simple. You just add one extra account and set the money aside into that account when you collect it. So super yep. practical tip for that one. All right. Anything yeah. else that you want to share before we uh, wrap up this pod? I don't know. I mean, we wanted to keep it pretty straightforward today and you asked for the five basics. And like I said, business is big or small. This is what you need to know. Yes, exactly. And everyone that's uh, listening, we are wanting to have Amy back. I would love to have Amy back on the podcast, like once per quarter, like once every 20 ish episodes. So if there are any specific questions you have on sales tax, um, I collect those. Actually, Amy, after we get off this call, remind me and I'll show you the question bank I have on sales tax. We probably should have looked at that oh, before we recorded this. Totally. Yeah. Next time we'll go through that. Because um, we can also, I'm planning on having you record some short Tuesday episodes because I do five minute episodes on Tuesdays answering specific Sweet. questions. We're planning on potentially doing a specific episode on resale tax, which will be highly specific to your interior designers. But if there are any niche issues that you're aware of, um, post in our Facebook group and tag uh, Amy, feel free. Normally, I don't, I tell people not to tag me, but if you have a question like that, tag us both, let us know, and we'll chat about it. So thanks so much yeah, for, for coming sure. on, Amy. Super appreciate it. Um, again, yeah. you said Instagram, Sales Tax Yogi. Yep. Do you have a website yet for your personal brand? Um, I, I do. It is salestextyogi.com. Um, it is definitely a work in progress, but it is live for what it's worth. Um, but mostly it's just a really pretty picture of me right now. So <laughs> okay. Well, we're, this, we're getting there. We're recording. It's currently March 19th. So you have a month and a week to work on that website. Awesome. <laughs> no pressure. All right. <laughs> I love well, it. No, that's perfect. Yes. Perfect. Nothing happens without a deadline. Thank you. Brandon. I like, I like to assign <laughs> deadlines. So thanks so much to Amy for coming on again, everyone. Um, you can check out the worry no more money roadmap that will kind of help you get your cash flow in order. Make sure that you're in the Facebook group, Braden's besties. And as always, if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. So thanks so much and have a good day. 
Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.